outside of, uh, of particular churches that show up on college campuses. How many chaplains are on the Harvard campus, Michael? About 40. About 40, yeah. Uh, and many, many different representations there. Uh, so you, you may be aware uh, the head chaplain on a Harvard campus is a well-known uh, atheistic humanist, wrote a book, Good Without God. Uh, so a sort of well-known figure, uh, lots of chaplains, lots of agencies. The RUF model is different in a significant way that we take ordained Presbyterian ministers and put them on campuses with the goal of connecting students to local churches. And so the on-campus ministry is really just one avenue of what RUF is seeking to do, but the other one is trying to get students connected, not just to parachurch organizations, not just to a campus ministry that will be with them for four years, but to connect them to the life of a local body and to get them integrated into what it means to transition from a child or a student in a church to an adult in a church and to be productive and, uh, and faithful in those regards. And so Michael is going to uh, tell us a little bit about his particular ministry at Harvard RUF. Uh, he is relatively new to our presbytery. He began his ministry at Harvard in the fall of 2019. So for those of you keeping track, that means he had exactly one semester before everything went crazy. Uh, you may remember that Harvard was the first uh, campus in the nation to shut down for COVID, to send all of their students home. And, uh, and they have been trying, uh, as well as the city of Cambridge uh, and Somerville and the surrounding areas, have been trying very hard to hold on to all kinds of restrictions. And that has made life and new ministry for Michael very interesting. And I'm sure he's going to tell us some about that. Uh, but before Michael comes and, uh, and tells us uh, about his ministry, let me open in prayer and we'll get started. <coughs> oh, gracious Lord and God, we thank you for Michael for his wife, Anna, and for their two daughters. We thank you for their presence here in New England uh, and among our presbytery. We thank you for his ministry and pray that you would bless him. Bless us as we hear today, O Lord. Bless us as we receive uh, some of uh, what you're doing through him and uh, through the campus there and the other interns and staff members who work with him. We pray that we would have a clear understanding of uh, some of the encouraging work that you are doing among the students at Harvard and, uh, and build us up uh, to love and serve you better because of what we hear today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, as Matthew shared, my name is Michael Whittem. Uh, I'm the campus minister with RUF uh, at Harvard. And so grateful to, to be here this morning. Uh, I was actually sharing with Matthew uh, before we began when my wife and I moved here uh, in 2019. Uh, we had uh, just arrived knowing only a few people and I remember uh, driving across town uh, and a, a Boston area code uh, phone number popped up uh, on my phone and I thought I only know, you know two or three people in Boston and those numbers are saved to my phone. And, and Steve and Dana called and welcomed me uh, to town and uh, this church has uh, continued to be uh, such a blessing to me, um, such a welcoming uh, presence. And so I, I really am uh, truly grateful uh, for Redeemer uh, and all that you represent for our ministry. Um, 
I'm, I'll just say on the front end, I'm not the greatest at just filling time for the sake of filling time. I want to share about my ministry um, and uh, hopefully some, some relevant details and some stories. But if you have particular questions, please interrupt me, raise your hand, ask questions. Uh, I want to share uh, what would be encouraging to you, what would be helpful for you to know about the work that the Lord is doing uh, on Harvard's campus. Uh, this morning, just sort of, if, if you want to know where I'm going, I want to spend a little bit just introducing myself, uh, what led my family and I uh, to this spot at this particular time. Uh, I'm going to share just a typical week in the life and ministry of RUF on Harvard's campus, so you get a little bit of a flavor of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, and then I want to give you... Um, sort of an insight of what it's like to minister to students at Harvard. I have a few uh, student stories in particular that I plan to share. Um, so that's, that's sort of where I'm, I'm headed uh, over this next little bit, and we're, we finish right at 10.30? Okay, all right. Um, so I'll just jump right into it. Um, I, I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, in the middle of that state, and uh, was there uh, through all of my childhood and went to the University of Oklahoma, um, was born into a, a kind of a nominal Christian family, uh, spent a number of years, my early years in the church. Uh, one uh, thing in particular that I'm very grateful for is my parents uh, sent me to uh, a program called Awanas where we memorized uh, just lines and lines and lines of scripture. And uh, there, there are spots in the Bible that just come out of me. I don't know where they came from, but I memorized them when I was four or five years old. Um, and through a series of circumstances that uh, are for another time, um, they left the church when I was six or seven years old uh, around that time. Um, and I continued to pray that they would come to faith and would return. But during my sort of formative years, uh, when I was young, I was not in the church. Uh, until I met uh, a teacher um, in 10th grade, uh, sat through a class called the History of the Crusades. And uh, as he was lecturing uh, on all of what transpired in the Crusades, he really hit in on uh, the, the depravity of man, uh, of God's sovereignty, of our need for a savior. Um, and as unusual of a testimony as it is, I really heard and understood the gospel and my need for a savior in 10th grade, in the history of the Crusades, reading Ivanhoe. <laughs> um, and, uh, and this particular teacher was a retired PCA minister, invited uh, my brothers and I uh, to start attending worship with his family, uh, which we did. And it's sort of from that point forward that I, I came into uh, the PCA, and when I went off to college, he said, you need to join a local church, and you need to go and visit an RUF, um, and I did both of those things, and both stuck, and, and, and the, the call to ministry and my, uh, my joining and, and participating in RUF uh, now for many years uh, really began in that moment. My wife and I uh, met in Oklahoma when she was uh, an intern working for RUF. Uh, when we married, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina for, uh, for us to go to Reformed Theological Seminary. And uh, from, from there, once we graduated, 
uh, I, I stayed on and worked as a campus minister um, in Charlotte uh, for about seven years. Um, and so I've, I've moved to New England uh, with a number of years of campus ministry under my belt. Um, but we were there um, for about 10 years, all told. Um, and we have uh, two sweet girls, Eleanor and Francis, who are five and seven. Um, and my wife this morning is uh, in teaching children's worship uh, with them um, at our church uh, in Cambridge. Um, a number of years ago, uh, and this sort of leads into, you know, why are we in New England? What is sort of our vision of, of ministry here? Um, a number of years ago, my wife and I really um, began to sense a call uh, to missions, um, to places uh, in particular where the laborers were few, um, where there was uh, a need to step in uh, to ministry, to do evangelism, to do discipleship. Uh, and in the summer of 2017, uh, my wife and I spent with our children um, a couple of weeks uh, in France with a mission team there uh, looking to do foreign missions. And uh, long story short, it was with RUF, and uh, we were excited about this prospect. And when we uh, landed uh, in France to begin sort of exploring this, we got word that the, the person who was helping us in RUF had just been uh, released from his duties. And, uh, and all of our sort of plans uh, for missions uh, in that particular context um, went away. Um, but our desire to be in a place where we could uh, serve the local church and serve students um, did not. And so we began you know, looking for other places that met, uh, that met that sense of call. Um, and in the, the summer, well, in the, in the early, in January of 2019, um, I got word that uh, Harvard's campus was opening, um, and I applied to this position, went through the, the presbytery process, um, and by God's grace, uh, my wife and I have, have now been here uh, for three years. Um, and our, our experience has been um, that, that our sense of calling has really aligned with uh, the, the ministry and the mission um, of RUF at Harvard. Um, there is great need, there's great opportunity for evangelism. Uh, there are faithful, uh, committed Christians who uh, want to be connected to one another, who want to be discipled, um, who desire to be in the local church. Uh, it, is, it is there, there is great opportunity, I'm very grateful um, to get to serve. Uh, I wanna take just a minute to, uh, to just walk you through a typical week of ministry at Harvard. Um, and I'll maybe say on the front end, you know, uh, as Matthew mentioned, we came in uh, to a normal school environment, March of 2020 uh, came around, and as you know, everyone was sent home. Uh, ministry was virtual for a time. And really what I've seen uh, over these last months and years um, is that these trials and difficulties, these disruptions for students whose lives in large part have gone according to plan, um, the Lord has not wasted any of that. Uh, we've seen students come back asking real questions about what is actually important in life? What is of real and ultimate value? Um, they've seen things that they, uh, they've put all of their hope and trust in, in their accomplishments, 
in their intellect, in their connections, all of those things crumble and fracture or the way that they respond to difficulty. And by God's grace, we've had many, many more students involved in our ministry, both in, the, in those virtual times and even more so as we've come back, uh, there's been sort of this, this pent up uh, demand and, and interest um, in things of the faith. And so praise God for that. Um, but a, a typical week for us this year has, has looked like this. Um, on, uh, on Mondays, our staff and I uh, meet uh, in the mornings to plan um, our events and our meetings for the week. Um, and we set, we set aside time specifically to pray for our students who are involved in our ministry. Um, we have many non-believing students uh, who are part of our group in one capacity or another, um, others who are asking big questions about faith. And so we, we set aside time to pray for students, to pray for our campus, uh, to pray for the administration uh, and all of the work that is happening there. Um, on Monday evening, uh, we have our student uh, ministry team over to my apartment and we share a meal. Uh, we uh, have a book study uh, that we go through and we plan uh, our student-facing ministry events for the week. And that has become one of my favorite times of the week. We have six students who come over. Uh, I, 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 you know, I really like the sort of the visual um, representation of their belonging to us. Um, and so now at this point of the year, each of those students has, you know, their seat around my table. I think there's something that's beautiful about that. Like I know where they're going to sit and I, I sort of highlight that from time to time that I want them to be committed to us, not because uh, like I think that um, like twisting their arm to be involved is like a really good thing to do, but like when their seat is empty, we, we're missing something by them not being there. And I think they've really picked up on that and it's become this very lively, exciting, fun meal that we share that then leads into, you know, a Bible study or book study uh, and then planning for the week. But we do that on Monday nights. On Tuesday night, we do a worship service on campus. Uh, our student leaders help lead various parts of that. Um, we, we have music and we read scripture and we pray. Uh, and I, I'll preach through a text this entire year. I've been preaching through the book of Romans. Uh, and we have students who take an hour uh, out of their schedule and come to a spot on campus uh, to, to sing and to hear the scripture read uh, and to sit under the, the teaching of God's word. Um, and I think it's just a really beautiful thing. And I'll share in a little bit um, the ways that I've seen God work uh, through, uh, through that event. Um, but we, we call that our, our large group worship service. Um, this semester we've had you know, 40 or 50 students come out to that. Um, we have a space on campus uh, where we can meet on a regular basis. And it's, it's been a real blessing um, to have students there. Uh, throughout the remainder of the week, we have uh, started up a handful of different small group Bible studies uh, that are inductive studies that go deeply into one section of scripture where students can dialogue with each other um, about the text um, and pray for, for one another. Uh, this semester, we're doing that on Wednesday nights, on Tuesday afternoon, or on Friday afternoon, and on Saturday afternoon. We have three of those going, um, and at this point, those groups have more or less solidified, uh, and we have, you know, a, a decent number of people uh, attending that. Uh, on Friday, um, before our Bible study in the afternoon, 
we, we've kind of opened up a space for students to come and uh, just uh, socialize and enjoy one another um, to bring their friends. Uh, and, and this has happened actually more and more as the semester has gone on. We have a restaurant in Harvard Square uh, where we buy plates of nachos. Uh, they, they have a free meal and a, and a long table and we're there for a couple of hours. Um, and they come with, there's sort of no agenda, but it, it becomes sort of this side door into our ministry where students will, uh, you know, they'll be in class and they're going to lunch and they'll bring a classmate with them, they'll bring a roommate, they'll bring a friend. Uh, and we meet someone new just about every week uh, that we host this meal. Um, and so, you know, we have something just about every day where we're gathering students um, to be around one another, to open God's word, to pray together, um, to, to think about um, matters of the faith. Um, so that, that is more or less a, a typical week in the ministry of RUF uh, at Harvard. Uh, that, that has been our practice. And I've seen um, really beautiful ways that God has been at work transforming students um, through each of those avenues of ministry. Uh, I, what I guess I, I didn't mention is um, I have uh, two other staff members who work with me, Catherine Cook, um, who has uh, worked for RUF for about 10 years now. I think she's in her fifth year at Harvard. Uh, she's a long-term staff member, has made a long-term commitment with no end date. Um, and then NJ Liu is a two-year campus intern. He graduated from WashU last year, and he's in his first year with us, um, and that's a two-year commitment. And the three of us, uh, in addition to these uh, group events that we have, um, pursue students and meet with them for one-on-one -on -one, uh, meetings. Um, I, so I, I get, I, I, my goal is to do about 10 pastoral meetings a week with students um, where we sit down one-on-one, -on -one, typically catch up on just sort of the ordinary, you know, goings-on in their life. Most of our students will have some kind of um, question of faith that they're wrestling through. And with those students, I'm either uh, reading a book uh, or we have uh, some kind of Bible study going on. My goal uh, for each of those meetings is, is that we would open the Bible at least once and that we would pray together. Um, it, it's important to me that they, um, when they meet with me, they, they walk away knowing that they met with a pastor, um, that I'm not there to just be, uh, you know, an older mentor um, or someone who's, you know, trying to be 20 still. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually a pastor on campus who's meeting with them and giving them God's word and feeding them and praying with them. Uh, and, and so broadly, that is, that is what uh, a, a typical week of ministry in RUF looks like. I'll maybe pause there. I, do you have any questions about any of this? Anything that you curious? We, interestingly, we, ha we have a lot of ROTC students. ROTC, that's not a major, uh, but I, I just noticed that recently, uh, that we have quite a few uh, who are headed into the military. They, what's that? It was brought back recently, and they have some sort of partnership with MIT, and so their, their morning um, workouts are combined with MIT. 
Yeah, I, I think that's, that, that is true. <laughs> I do from time to time, um, and you know, I I tried to to say, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, and and the Bible is where we go for uh, what we believe is is true for life and doctrine, and and I try to and, I, and try to point to point to the scriptures and unpack that with them. Um, Yeah, and there are a lot of great resources out there uh, for scientists who have really thought biblically about some of those questions. Uh, and so there are resources that I can point to uh, and we can we can work through those together. Yeah. Yes. So one other, uh, I, yes. Uh, are, do, ch do students go to church on Sunday, and if they do, where do they go? Is that more or less the question? Um, yes. Um, and, and one, one I, guess, I don't know if it's an event, but one regular practice that I didn't mention is uh, our student leaders um, meet up in front of the library on campus every Sunday. Um, and there are two or three churches where our students attend, but they'll, meet, they'll all meet there and then walk to churches or take the train to churches together. Um, the two where our students most regularly attend are Christ the King, Cambridge, which is in Central Square. It's about a 20-minute walk from the library. And the other is uh, City Life Presbyterian Church, also PCA. It's, it's downtown Boston, but it's accessible from the T, and so they'll, they'll hop on the red line and take the T down. Uh, there's one other church uh, that, uh, I don't know if it's funny or not, but every, every sort of, you know, nominal or serious Christian, we, every undergrad at, at Harvard will attend at some point. It's a church called Aletheia. Um, and they're also in Central Square, but they're like the college student church. Uh, and that, that is who they target. It's, it's who attends. And so it's sort of the like fun, flashy church. Aletheia. Uh, yeah, that's Greek. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Truth. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> I won't say that. I won't, I won't answer that question. Right but they're, they're very narrowly targeted to, to college students, and, and it comes with sort of all of what you would think it comes with. Yes. Okay. Okay. I, yes, I can do that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, InterVarsity and Crew both have chapters um, on campus. Uh, so we have our monthly chaplains. Plenary meeting where we get together, and then 
Uh, in addition to that, we have uh, Protestant chaplains prayer meeting once a month. Uh, and so we, there are six or seven of us uh, who will meet on campus once a month to pray together. And I've become friends with, with those workers and, and we get together as well. You know, when we uh, moved here, we, we did so with somewhat of a missionary mindset, as I mentioned, and where I think I feel that the most is with my children. We're in Cambridge, uh, where the predominant view is that having families is, is sort of immoral. Um, I, I've had, it's not uncommon that people will sort of argue against the view that, like, pushing your, your wife to have children and out of the workforce is oppressive to her and that having children is a drain on the environment. Um, those are two sort of leading arguments and, and there are just relatively few families in our sphere. And so like at this moment, we know one other uh, family from the church who have a child near our child's age. Uh, and so she has one other friend from a Christian family. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I'll maybe get to this at the end. There are ways that you could pray for us. I think, you know, our, our children are, are going to feel some of the impacts of that uh, more than my wife and I will. Um, the Lord is faithful. He provides. We're going to continue to pray for our children and do our best to, to help them, you know, integrate into the life of the church and have peers who know and love the Lord. But it, it, it's... It's a real and present and felt challenge. You know, it, I, I, I try to go the route of um, encouraging them to be part of a group rather than disparaging. I, I don't do any disparaging of other groups. Um, and at the end of the day, my, my advice is to find one group and to commit to them. Um, I, I do think among our various ministries, um, I think they have good options. Um, but I want students to think about um, how, the, how each group is engaging um, holistically with the Bible, um, if they're really taking seriously God's word, both in doctrine and in life, and what that looks like. Um, so I want them to think critically about the group that they're involved in, um, but at the end of the day, in terms of their pursuing their faith on campus, I try to just be encouraging that they do it, um, and that they find one group and commit. Uh, it's probably not um, hard, hard to believe that Students at Harvard will commit to many, many things and too many things. Um, and if they're committed to their faith, uh, they will start by trying to be part of three or four groups. Um, so right now I'm uh, reading uh, through J.I. Packer's Concise Theology, um, where he sort of lays out a very simple systematic theology that gives just a framework uh, for all of the Bible. Um, 
there's a, a new title that I'm reading with a student by a uh, professor named Kelly Capic at uh, Covenant College called You're Only Human. Um, that is uh, understanding um, understanding our, our created design and that we have limits and that's actually good news, um, that we're not intended to be all things to all people and that we're not, that we're not God and, you know, sort of uh, putting our humanity in its proper place. Um, there are other titles, but I'll, they're escaping me at the moment. Yes? How do students find us? There are a couple inroads to how students find us. Um, we, I, I get emails from uh, people that students are connected to on a regular basis from March when they're admitted all the way through to September. Uh, so I'll come in with a list of students that have either contacted me directly uh, or some, some family member or pastor or friend or whatever has uh, put me in touch with them. Um, we, because, because I'm a chaplain at the university and have that um, visibility, uh, some students will find us uh, through those official channels. So coming up at the end of April is an event called Visitas. It's called Visitas. So Veritas is Harvard's phrase. It's actually very cheesy. I don't like it. <laughs> um, it's called Visitas. And uh, that didn't sound weird to me until I just said it to you. Um, <laughs> Uh, but we'll, we'll have a, a table, there are 120 student organizations across, you know, all kinds of different disciplines and interests, and we'll have a table there, and so we'll meet admitted incoming freshmen at that event. Um, they also will have different sections of types of disciplines at, at this pre-admitted freshman event, and they'll allow those groups to host dinners. So Sunday evening, all the religious life groups we'll have time set out where they'll have a space on campus to host a meal. And so we'll host students uh, for a meal at the end of April. Um, and then um, we have done more work in the last couple of years on social media, um, finding uh, admitted incoming students um, who are Christians who are coming to Harvard. Uh, and so we, we find students that way. Uh, and then in the fall there is, uh, you know, a, a, a new student welcome student org fair uh, in the Harvard Yard is just completely, you know, packed with tables and people and freshmen. And we've met quite a few students um, by those channels. Um, and, and sort of all said and done, when we have a, a group of students who are gathered um, and we're in their lives and we know them, uh, we start to get to know their network of people. Um, and we encourage students to, to bring friends and roommates and colleagues and things like that. So there are a couple of different channels. Those are the first few that come to mind where we meet students um, and all of those sort of little outlets uh, together add up to be a group of people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a it was a classical Christian school. Yeah. We have.
have grad students who contact us, and we we are only we only serve at the college. There are there is one Christian ministry who does gather and serve grad students. Um, I I will either point them to that group, but I always point them to the local church. Um, we have students who are graduating from campuses with RUFs all over the country who come to Harvard as grad and PhD students, and I, I get as many or more grad students contacting me as I do incoming freshmen. Um, and my goal, and as Matthew said, you know, our goal in RUF is to connect people to the local church. And, and so that, that's where I point incoming grad students to join the church. You know, there, there are many stories of administrations across the country who have, who have muted Christian ministries. Um, and, and I think those stories are true, and I do think that that is the shift that's happening. My experience so far is that um, Harvard is being consistently liberal and progressive and, and allowing the whole breadth of ideology ideologies and viewpoints and theologies, and I have not felt at all restricted uh, in my teaching or in my practice. We, you know, the 30 or 40 of us get together once a month, and there's not much work that we can do in common. We are a department of the university, and so there is sort of administrative work that happens and things that get communicated, but we're all sort of free to go and do our individual work with our students as we please. And so I'm, you know, praise the Lord for that. Um, I have not at all felt restricted in, in teaching anything that um, the Bible says. <laughs> you've, you've experienced that in the administration. <laughs> Not, yeah. <laughs> that I've experienced all that unique of a challenge. I think if, if students want to um, sort of stay in their lane and kind of outside of the mainstream of, of some of the, um, the, the teaching of the university, I think they can do that. Um, I have, I, I've seen how the university certainly has a viewpoint that they want students to fall within, but there is still this, um, it's not entrepreneurial, but there's this kind of mindset that like your differences bring something unique and 
uh, a student who, who comes from a, a certain background or viewpoint or even religious, uh, uh, religious group brings something unique that they're, they are not trying to push away. Um, and, and so, yeah, I don't know that I've seen anything on campus that is especially unique or sinister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, we talk about all those kinds of things. Um, and uh, one of our presuppositions, one of the, the things that we assume to be true um, going on to campus, that I assume to be true going on campus, um, is that um, the Bible is inerrant and infallible, that it is our rule for life and practice. They know that I'm a Presbyterian minister and that I'm going to open the scriptures and teach from a particular point of view. Um, and so students are welcome to come, come with their, their perspectives and come with their, uh, their viewpoints, but it's not a rule by democracy. Our theology, the, the theology of our group doesn't change with the, the changing of, of tides of the culture. Um, and, and so there is very much a, an invitation for students to come and wrestle with the scriptures, to ask hard questions of the scriptures, um, uh, to, to come with even, you know, cultural presuppositions. Um, but our students know that we hold the Bible as valuable and that's, that's, that's what we're going to lead with um, and then we're going to submit under the rule of God's word. Yeah. If you, if you look at the admission uh, breakdown from a, a couple of different cross sections, uh, whether it's geographic, um, socioeconomic, um, you know, ethnic, all, all, you could you could look uh, even you know they'll they'll give a an admit uh, a freshman admitted class uh, demographic survey that's many pages long and looks at all kinds of different uh, different factors. Uh, and there, there's almost an even split of every type of student from around the globe, from different, uh, different ideologies, different walks of life, different socioeconomics. Um, I think where, uh, where the university is shifting, you know, there, there's still that legacy admitted student who has uh, family with either power, money, or connections. Um, and oftentimes with, with parents or grandparents who have attended the university, uh, that, that still does exist, and that is uh, a large section of the university where I think there's been a shift has been uh, students from like low socio socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, and, I, and when I talk with students uh, and hear their stories, there is a common thread of students who have experienced some kind of significant loss um, or adversity or challenge in life that they've overcome in some kind of way that they can very clearly articulate 
and it is almost always, if you ask them, the story that they told in their admissions essay. Uh, but but there, there is, uh, if there's any kind of common thread that I see, it's, uh, that, that's been, I think, added newly or that's being focused on um, are students from trying backgrounds who have uh, great intellectual capabilities, um, who have overcome some kind of significant trial. Having a great, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, and I, I really, really appreciate uh, you all asking so many great questions. Um, and and it, it's covered many of the things uh, that I was, uh, yeah, planning to share. Yeah, let me, ju I'll just share a, f a few stories of students who are involved in our group, um, how they came into our ministry and uh, what the Lord is doing. Um, so there's a, a student that I'm uh, really excited about. Um, her name is Ariana. And uh, this might go to your question, how we meet students. And, you know, I think all of them are, are the Lord's work and the Lord's hand in giving them to us. But Ariana um, was, well, she was admitted to Harvard because she was working as a high school student um, for a U.S. senator who is, uh, who is running for the first time uh, for um, election to the Senate, um, and he won, and she has a great story that uh, was very compelling to the admissions board, um, and she is very much uh, sort of a, was a modern-day Saul. Um, her uh, kind of niche in this election campaign um, for a very liberal progressive uh, senator was sort of mock it, mocking and disparaging uh, the Christian right. Um, and she, you know, she was young and was, you know, basically just like creating ads and memes and videos and things that were sort of mocking, uh, mocking opponents and, uh, and promoting her candidate. Um, and she came through the student activities fair uh, in September of 2019 um, as a freshman, you know, kind of fresh off the boat from the state of Alabama, didn't know anyone. Um, and she came across our table um, because she was walking with the one other person that she knew who wanted to stop at our table, and she was like standing behind her friend who was talking to us. I started talking to her and find out that she's from the same hometown that my wife is from. And she comes to RUF only because my wife is from the same hometown that she's from, but I'm not actually from there, but like I'm close enough of a connection that she feels like comfortable and at home, and so she comes to uh, a worship night. Uh, we meet one time, she tells me her story of, you know, I worked on this senator's campaign, and this is sort of uh, what, um, yeah, like this was, this was my particular job. Uh, you know, Christianity's not something I'm interested in at all. And I sort of assume, like, she comes to 1RUF, she meets with me one time, I'm never gonna see this person again. Um, and her friend, who I spoke to at the fair, uh, comes a couple of weeks later, brings Ariana, um, and Ariana, that evening, sitting under the teaching of God's word, just comes convicted of her sin, of her need for a savior, um, and she came to faith her freshman year um, that fall in 2019, and um, she is such a, a gifted and capable student. Um, she just consumes 
uh, reading material like no one I've ever seen. Um, and so she started asking, you know, these sort of big theological questions. We're um, studying the Gospel of John together uh, through the fall and into the spring of 2020. Um, she, gets sent, she gets sent home along with everyone else, um, and she decided uh, for the year that was virtual uh, to take a gap year, to take no classes, to move back home. She worked at a restaurant, um, and she spent all of her free time um, studying God's word uh, and just and reading theology. She really just wanted to make sense and understand her faith. And the first time that we, we spoke uh, when she was back home, um, she was like, I came up with a list of questions uh, that I really want to answer over this next year. I wonder if we could go through some of them. It's eight pages long. <laughs> like, okay, I think that we can, we can start there. And so um, she, asked, you know, she asked some of her first questions. I was like, well, this might be a great resource for you to read. She reads it that week and comes back and is like, okay, so now I have these other questions. I gave her two or three books. She comes back. She's like, okay, I read those three books. What do you... And she spent th that entire year just reading and digesting God's word. Um, and she's now one of those students now in her junior year um, who's at, around my table every Monday night. Um, and, like, she loves the Lord and she loves God's word. And um, uh, w when she came back, like, she's, she joined the church. She's been baptized. And by God's grace, she'll be serving with God's people for the rest of her life um, and will be a phenomenal employee and mother and wife um, and church member and, and discipler and, and anything that you can imagine. She's, she, is, she is going to be just this amazing gift to the church um, and, we, and we will we will worship with her in heaven. Like, there's something just so beautiful about that. Um, and, you know, what I've, what I've seen on campus, and what's honestly surprised me, is that um, students are very open to the gospel, are open to, to a theology of, of real hope, of real substance. Um, and, again, only by God's grace, we have seen students coming to faith every semester over these last three years. Um, that, that I, I mean, I have a list of, of student stories here, of students' names, um, and many of them, most of them, have, um, have come to faith over these last three years. Um, I, I very much, you know, see my calling and my job as one of evangelism. I mean, Matthew mentioned that one of the unique um, aspects of RUF, which I really appreciate, is that we send ordained campus ministers onto the campus. Uh, Matthew's ordained as a teaching elder to a particular call, a particular place here at Redeemer. Um, I'm ordained as an evangelist, that my call is to go out and to share the gospel with people. Um, and, and by God's grace, we've seen students coming to faith. Um, this is, this is just sort of an aside that I think gives a bit of a framework for this next um, student. Uh, there's this great exchange that C.S. Lewis has with a guy named Sheldon Benakin, who was a professor in England, and they're having this evangelistic um, letter writing exchange, and, and that's been preserved. 
And at some point, Sheldon, who not, has not yet been converted, uh, C.S. Lewis says to him, um, I believe that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has you in his nets, sort of that fishing metaphor, and my guess is you probably won't get away. Um, and and it, it was shortly after that, that Sheldon Menachem gave his life to Christ um, and, uh, and was converted. And this student, Alfania, um, who uh, came to faith only recently in our ministry, is one of those, one of those types of students. Um, she uh, is an international student from Indonesia. Um, when I met her, said that she was an atheist, that she didn't really have a faith, um, but she really, she really just wanted to be around people. Um, and and I, I was gonna talk some about our philosophy of ministry and some assumptions that we carry with us onto the college campus, uh, but one, one of them um, is, uh, is the learning process, is what we call it, that, that students, um, as, as individuals, uh, uniquely have sort of their own learning process that the Holy Spirit uses to bring them to faith. And so for some of our students, it's dialoguing in a small group Bible study. And it, it's them being able to like get their ideas out into the open that the Holy Spirit really uses to change them. Um, Alfania is, is, she's just sort of a hermit. She likes to be around people, but doesn't want to interact with anyone. Um, and so she started coming uh, to, to our worship service on Tuesday nights, um, the very first week of the year, and has not missed a single one. And she's another one of those students where, where I, I ask, okay, you say that you're an atheist, you say that you don't believe any of these things, and yet uh, there is something that is drawing you to this ministry when you have plenty of other things that you could do to occupy your time. And it became very evident through our one-on-one -on -one meetings that the Holy Spirit was just at work in her life, that, that he was drawing her to himself in ways that she wasn't even aware of yet. And it was about three weeks ago, um, was preaching, we're preaching through the book of Romans this year, and uh, I was preaching through Romans 9, uh, which, you know, that entire chapter is God's sovereignty and salvation. Um, there, there's something about, there was something about that chapter, standing up in front of students uh, who are kind of all across the spectrum, theologically, politically, um, where I'm like, okay, I don't really know like how this is gonna land. This is sort of like the big Calvinist chapter and uh, it's just not super popular, but I'm gonna try to preach and be faithful to God's word. Um, and, and she texted Catherine, our campus staff, uh, that night that she, she felt like she understood the gospel clearly for the first time and that she was repenting of her sin, that she was trusting Jesus and she, over this year, she has changed. Like, I've seen the way that the Spirit has been at work in her. And again, like, we can count her as a sister in the faith. And, and our goal, my goal for our ministry um, as sort of a, a, a fisher of men, like, going out onto the campus is that I would connect them to God's church uh, because that is the place where Christians are to be tied and connected and belong for life to belong for life. Um, and so we're, we're directing her to the local church so that when she graduates, there is, there is a, a, a continuity there of, of her Christian walk, that she is already connected to God's people 
that being part of our ministry is not the end of their walk with Jesus, uh, that we're sort of a, a side door to the church to go and to evangelize and disciple, to bring people into our ministry, to plug them into the local church. Um, and uh, there, there are lots of stories here that I would, I would love to share um, of that reality. Th- those are two of them. Um, I have, oh, I guess I have two minutes. Maybe I'll stop there. Uh, Sure.